So um, this is where we talk about who we are and what we've been doing since last we recorded, but unfortunately it's only been one day since we last recorded. However, yesterday I did you do a You saw bros, didn't you? Yeah, I was going to say, I did a quadruple feature yesterday, but I'm not going to talk about any of that because all those movies can qualify for the Letterboxd game down the road. But what I will hint at, which might help for the listeners down the road, is that at one of these movies that I saw, they played a Key and Peele sketch before the movie. What movie was it? I guess you might find out. Although I think it's pretty obvious because there's only one Key and Peele, famous Key and Peele sketch about movies. But who knows? But yeah, I saw Bros like right before this too. To mm. get in on that discourse we talked about in the Monsters, Inc. episode. But you don't want to talk about bros? I mean, I mean you've I already can. kind of mentioned that you talked about really, bros. I don't know if... I don't really know if there's anything to talk about with bros. I mean, it's good. It's a little too long. Uh, I do think it starts kind of annoying where it's like, you can tell the movie thinks it's more important. Like, I mean, I guess the movie is important, but I don't like movies that think they are important, if that makes sense. Like, mm. if the movie itself... Is just like treating it like whatever, then that's probably a better movie. Um, and I think the first 15 minutes of it does treat like it's important, but then like once like his love interest, Billy Eichner's love interest shows up, kind of just is. And that's when like the movie becomes good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I you were know. gonna talk about your credit experience, your your trailer experience. Sorry. Oh, I mean, I, I arrived late to the movie too, was a thing that was what got me annoyed. I purposely showed up like. And rushed in thinking I had missed all the trailers. And nope, I saw the Sifu, like, Black Adam for the 1700th time. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a superhero who kills people. I just think the whole... I'm not going to be proven wrong. I'm willing to bet Black Adam will make a ton of money. But to me, I'm just... I always watch that trailer. Well, let me rephrase. I don't watch that trailer anymore. That's, like, the definition of, oh, I could pull my phone up now. But when I first saw the trailer, I was like... I feel like uh, if you're... Like, a member of the general audience who does not know the superhero things. This just looks like the most, like, generic thing possible. Because, like, you got The Rock playing a superhero that's just Shazam, but, like, with a black suit instead of a red suit. And then, like, he's fighting off against a Doctor Strange and Ant-Man ripoff. So, like, who does this appeal to? I mean, it seems like the same people who saw his Hercules would go out to see this movie because but the Hercules it's... movie didn't do well. That's my point. The oh. Hercules movie was a bomb. Oh, I don't know much about his movie I'm career. Cur- I'm but... curious now if the Hercules movie made more or less on opening weekend than Bros. I feel like Bros probably still made more money. I made less money than the Hercules movie. I want to ask you and the people at home because tonight oh, I. Hercules have made to... a ton in the U.S. So, in the See, overseas. there you go. That's what I'm saying. It's Jesus like Christ. these movies Hercules all make made... way more than Hercu- you think they do. Okay, no, but if The Rock... Okay, let me put it this way. Hercules made $72 million in the U.S. and $245 million worldwide. So, exponentially more than bros. But if Black Adam made this amount of money, it would be a bomb. You know? Like, there's different measuring here. But, sorry, what were you going to say? <laughs> I have some things that I have to do after we finish recording, but I also have to make dinner. So do you think that I should buy the ingredients that I need to make barbecue chicken, or should I use my Domino's two-for-one coupon? I mean, doesn't the two-for-one coupon, like, exist indefinitely? Some I feel like it does, but now I just have one that I got in the mail, so I'm kind of thinking about, oh, I could do that, or it's kind of late, and I could do my grocery oh, shopping do and come home Domino's with a whole chicken. A- Domino's is a Sunday thing to me, so yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah. Well, it complicates things because I have to use my voice afterwards. So cheese mm. is a consideration. But cheese. we'll see what happens. I just wanted to throw that out to you because I'm still stuck on it. I kind of think you've helped me make the decision that I do just want to cook tonight. So I'll make some chicken and do that whole thing with my beer that you might remember from the last episode. I still have a lot of that, so I'm trying to use it for cooking instead of just drinking it. Because I feel like it's contributed to my feeling bad the past few days. Because I don't normally drink very much, but now I'm like, I guess I should have a beer in the fridge, and I have one, and I hate it, and now I want them gone. So I'm going to use them to cook a chicken. You know what they say, a beer in the fridge is worth two in the bush. Yeah. <laughs> we have you had any other the... wacky things going on with you lately? I mean, no, because the only thing I did was I went to a quadruple feature yesterday. First time I've done that. Actually, that and might have been the first time I've. It. Yeah, that might have been the first time I've done that at a non-festival setting, um, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. And they were all at different feet. Well, the first and the last one were at the music box, so I kind of was just traveling around the city. It's kind of fun. I actually have something that we could talk about briefly. But it, it's another movie thing. I started watching Thor Love and Thunder today, and I wonder, I remember listening to your Why Is episode. I'm having a good time so far, halfway through. People say that it gets worse after the first however many minutes. Really? I, who are I, those people? I think I, it gets way better after, the, I think the, the back half of the movie is way better than the first half of the movie. Well, I'm having a great, I'm having the best time ever then, because I went in being told that the back half would be worse, and I've had a good time, and now I'm going to have a better time. So, yay me. I just put it on because I wanted to, I've been watching Primal, uh, but it's, well, I could have watched Pinocchio. The thing is, I need something not disgusting to watch while I eat food. (laughs) So, I don't know I anything about Pinocchio. Zemeckis? Zemeckis? I watched Zemeckis. Flight. Well, it's uh, Pinocchio's... I don't know. I haven't watched Pinocchio. I just want to be like, you haven't watched Pinocchio? What are you talking about, bro? I don't know if I'll get know, around is, to Pinocchio. Is there? Any, I, I don't know either. Is there anything on streaming right now that I want to watch from this year? Or that I liked a lot from this year? I don't know. Have you watched RRR yet? I don't think I will. Wow. I, I want to point out, for the I record, told that Mark... My take- Mark Young has said on this podcast before that he thinks movies should go for the full three hours. And RRR is 182 minutes. That's great. It's down, it sounds like a crappy movie. Like, I'm not going to go see that anymore. Why, would it, why do you think it's a crappy movie? Don't you like Michael Bay movies? I don't think it's a Michael Bay movies. Michael Bay movies look good. You should watch RRR. You're dropping a lot of ignorant takes right now. <laughs> All right. Here's I don't know. I'm not going to like I'm not going to like double down on my ignorance. I think that it's a little can can we have this discussion and like talk me out of it. Okay. Because I've only seen RRR advertised at the IFC Center downtown, which I I kind of work by it, so I I walk by and I see their outside stuff. I think it's neat that they want to show like a a popular Indian film. Like that's cool. It doesn't mean it's going to be a good movie. It so... is a good movie though. I've seen I'll be because here's the thing. I 
I'll well, I'll be. Let me give you context first for the listeners at home because this is really just two. This is right now is two white guys talking about current Indian cinema. So let's let's give you let's give some context where I'm coming from here. Where I have not actually seen a lot of other Tollywood films. I know I need to see. Uh, I think it's Bahubali. I have that's the director's other films. I have not watched them, but what I have seen are like other Bollywood blockbusters like Saho, which I hear is not good, even though I liked it. And Gully Boy, which is not an action movie, but it's like 8 Mile, but in India type of thing. Those are like the two big ones I've seen. I also saw one I really hated titled Good News, spelled N-E-W-W-Z. I hated that one. That one was really bad. Um, all I'll say is like, I am well aware of like the structure of the interval. Because that is what these movies are. That, that's why they're three hours long, because there's an interval in them. I think RRR, especially compared to Saho, which I thought was good. Even though I know a lot of people say, no, Saha is bad. RRR is legitimately has great action in it. It's got a lot of fun. It doesn't drop, it drops probably the title card around the same time Drive My Car does, which is always fun when a movie doesn't do that for 40 minutes. Um, I don't, like, I don't know. My issue with RRR has to do with its politics, but I also am old enough to recognize that, like, Michael Bay movies can be well constructed. But have terrible politics, so I can't really hold an Indian movie's politics against itself, you know? So. Yeah, I just don't. There, I've never heard anything about RRR that made me want to get into it besides its well, politics. Like, which is all, all that you told me about it was that it had bad politics, and then I saw trailers for it, and it's like the dude jumping at the CGI tiger. And I'm norm. I don't. I'm watching Thor: Love and Thunder right now, and and enjoying well, it. So I don't want to say like got, see, got, bad CGI is not going to keep me away from a movie. But like, what do R- I? R- it's just jumping CGI. at a tiger. RRR opens with like a, a title card saying, "We use no actual animals in this film. Do not worry, they are all CGI." <laughs> so I got to respect it on that level. Is that like it's upfront? Like these are not real. Don't don't come at us for not being real because we did this to keep the animals safe. It's like, great, like, I accept that then. Like, I totally accept that these are, uh, this is CG. Uh, there is, most of the fights in it aren't tiger stuff. It's like, one of the characters is introduced by, like, oh, I'm not gonna get this right, because I saw it last in April, so it's been a while. But, like, the character is, like, trying to, like, stop the leader of an insurrection. And so he, like, runs into the, uh... He runs into the crowd of protesters and, like, fights off a ton of... Pro- this is the bad guy, to be clear. Uh, or at least the person who's framed as the bad guy at this point in the story. Because I'll tell you, this movie switches, like, it's framing a lot. Which is also really fun. But at this point in the story, he's framed as the bad guy. He goes into this crowd of protesters, kidnaps one of them while fighting off, like, a hundred people. And it's so over-the-top and fun. But uh, most of the action is, like... Yes, it's CGI augmented, but it's person-on-person type of thing. It's not really the tiger. Don't expect a lot of the tiger fights. Although the tiger does play a part in it, too. I don't know. It's hard to describe, again, because also I saw it, like, six months ago. But, like, I, I would not be, like, I have never like, heard anything positive about it. Well, then you're so, definitely not in the same circles as I. You're not in the same circles as me at all, because I am the only person who has something negative to say about it, I feel like. And my negative thing to say about it is, it's got bad politics, four out of five. It's <laughs> like, you know, like, like, I'm still like, this is an A movie. It's just, it's got bad politics. Like, You, have you watched Chole? No. If you ever heard of or watched that documentary, The Voyage of Cinema or something like that, 
I learned of it through that documentary series way back when. I'm sure that's, I mean, I'm saying way back when because I don't think documentaries like that have aged very well, but Cholet is my point of reference for Bollywood action movies. And but again, this isn't Bollywood, this is Tollywood. Get it right, bro. They're different, well, they're different honest, industries. They are different honestly, industries. that's that's fair, and I shouldn't <laughs> be an ass clown. Um, that's why uh, it's hard for me to recommend people watch it on Netflix, even though I hear it's fine to watch on Netflix. Is that Netflix only... Because Indian films have this weird rights thing where it's like they sell the rights to different languages, to different streaming services. So Netflix only has the Hindu version. Mm. You cannot watch it in Telugu on Netflix. You have to get a separate streaming service for it. Although I hear the other streaming service is quite good if you want to do a deep dive into like Indian cinema, both Bollywood and Tollywood. But I, to me also, you know me, I'm like the theatrical experience is better than everything else. Uh, and ergo to me, the idea of me sitting home watching three hour long Indian movies is not like Indian blockbusters to me is not particularly fun. Especially when in Chicago right now, I could go see three of them in a theater right now. Like there are three separate ones currently playing. Actually, fun story there, sad story. And the listener of the podcast is going to be like, hey, that's me. When I tell us, is a friend of mine was like, I'm debating on ever seeing The Thing at Midnight at my theater tomorrow. Or apparently AMC is showing The Godfather. I'm like, are you sure it is not the 2022 Indian film just titled Godfather instead of The Godfather? And he's like, dang, you're right. Good thing, Good thing I said that to you. Because I must have gone to AMC and been really mad. <laughs> now I'm, I might get around to it, but... It's better I've, than Pinocchio. <laughs> I'm sure it's better than Pinocchio. There has to be some kind of personal connection. Up until now, all I knew about it is that it's some very popular action movie with bad politics. I gotta and say. And there was no other hook. But I'm gonna, the best I'm gonna thing you've told me is that it drops the title card 20 minutes in. 40. It's 40 minutes. 40 minutes like, in. It's 40 minutes. That's the kind of thing I, that'll I get not, me in the theater. I'll be honest. The moment... I was not fully sold on the movie until the title card. But not because of the title card, but because the thing that directly precedes the title card is probably the most hype moment in action movies I've seen in such a long time. I cannot think of another moment. And that includes, like, everything ever all at once. Or, like, I'm trying to think of another great action. Or, like, the John Wick movies. That moment of action in RRR that precedes the title drop is just, like, so awe-inducing to me. Mm. It's very bad boys too. It's a movie in general. Um, well, that's by the way, else side note: get me in the theater. Uh, I will pitch this now on the uh, air, and then you can be like, "Danny, no." But I think it would be fun that unlike my other two podcasts, I think this is the first one that I've had where we could do like a bonus episode around Oscar season, where it's like, here are our actual like takes on the movies of last year. Because we talk about movies so much in these intersections that we'd be like, all right, here's our personal best picture. Here's our personal best performance. Here's our personal... You know what I mean? But that's you something we figured about Oscar in February. Podcast. Yeah, where they... The, my two co-hosts hit the idea of talking about modern... The modern Oscar... The modern movies. You know? I don't like it true. any better. It's not true. You literally came in to talk about Thor, Love, and Thunder. <laughs> well... I think that if it's me having a funny experience, I don't mind that as much. I don't. I don't mind saying that. I. I don't think Thor: Love and Thunder is a great film. I don't really want to give it serious airtime. 
That's that's the thing. If I were to do that with all of these Oscar movies, is I would have to like research them no, and watch no, them. No, no, you misunderstand. And you that misunderstand. Would make you misunderstand. my life worse. I'm not saying we do an Oscar special. Air quotes. Um, I say we do something like, and now you're gonna kill me because I mentioned blank check. But actually, it's kind of funny. Is that on Letterboxd, my uh yearly awards ceremony because my username on Letterboxd is Blankmint has always been the blankies, and that like like goes back to 2014. And Blank Check premiered in 2015, and they called their end of year award show the Blankies. So now everyone just assumes that I ripped them off, but I have proof dated back to that the first Blankie went to boyhood, and that it predates their podcast. But whatever. My point is, though, more not that we watch the Oscar movies, but we just say, oh, this was our favorite movie last year. This was our personal favorite performance last year. Not like we go like, oh, yeah, uh, the whale was not that great, you know? Like, we don't need to talk about the whale or, like, the sun or stuff like that. I'm saying we talk about just what we liked. Wouldn't like, we have to ended... watch them all, though? No, we don't. It, Mark, I'm just saying, like, we go like, oh, yeah, my favorite movie last year is everything I ever wants. Interesting. Have you seen the whale? No, I didn't. Like, you know, like, we don't we don't need, to, like, the Oscar voters don't watch all the movies nominated. Why do we need to? Well, that's because <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> You know, Mark, you why, did, okay. why does anything exist but to okay. provide Let, let's, a let's platform jump back, for let's advertisers? Jump back to the beginning of, let's jump back to the beginning of my pitch, okay? Let's not call it an Oscar festival. Let's call it a year in review of 2022 movies special. Let's not let's not give it like a an Oscar title or a I like that. title. If we did like what did we watch this year? I'm just year saying we time it out. with the Oscars because then because that because personally for me I'm still watching 2022 movies in January and you know I'm I'm still watching the previous year's movies in January and February so like wait that so we're good. actually wrapped up on we could it. do a year in a review yeah but in March <laughs> type of okay thing. <laughs> yeah. we would do it in March why wouldn't March or don't February. the Oscars come out in January. Oh, <laughs> they, they're usually March or February. The earliest oh Oscars gosh. in recent memory was when Parasite won, which coincidentally was really good. They held it early because if they held it when they normally did, COVID would have canceled it. Um, but no, the Parasite one I think was held like the first or second week of February. So well, and that was like the earliest one in recent memory. Everyone can join us next time when we'll check back after Danny has sued the blank check folks, and I've watched RRR. <laughs> Because I will now. I should. You should not come in here like, oh, our, our, our is terrible. I know you didn't actually say that. <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. I feel truly, I, I see the posters outside the IFC Center. You tell me it has bad politics. It's a dude jumping at a tiger. It has I'm bad like, politics, but like... so does every Michael Bay movie. So, well, like, yeah, to no, me, no, it's no, like... I'm sorry. Like, you didn't, I, you got me, you let me do my setup and not the, the okay, landing of my statement. Fine, go, go. It's just, it was like, there was nothing there for me, so, and it was like the lost city of Z in terms of at, out there special effects, so, which I haven't seen James either, but it's just Gray another thing. film or the Channing Tatum film? I didn't which know there the, were two of them. Which one are you I think I'm about? talking about the James Gray film. There's a new one just called The Lost City where it's Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Oh, I know what you're talking about, but no okay you're talking about okay good okay should we go into our games which are special this week yes let's do games all right so mark and i are switching up the games this week he will be doing the letterbox game and i will be doing the game of lists so what should we do first mark well i think i mean we should let's do a letterbox game first okay all right now i get to sit back and relax all right 
Well, Mark, explain I, how the letterbox I'm game works, because now you got to explain I'm ready for you to... Oh, I have I, to explain how it works still? <laughs> I was going to say, don't relax too hard, because you better win, but I actually think these are going to be really easy, so you can probably okay. chill out. All right. So, Letterboxd Game. If you're just joining us, the Letterboxd Game is a game based on a feature of the film social media site Letterboxd. Letterboxd uh, added a feature that allows you to look at a movie, and then it will show you films similar to that movie. The game is that I or Danny gives you the similar movies, and then you have to guess the original movie. So, for example, if the movie, the original movie was Fight Club, I might say Joker, Pulp Fiction, Natural Born Killers, American Psycho, and Donnie Darko, then Danny would guess Fight Club. Few more rules. So, Danny gets five guesses, and either after, after each wrong guess, I give him another one similar movie, and after the third guess, he gets the year the movie came out. Also, I'm never going to give him movies with the same director or that come from the same franchise. Franchise is pretty loosely defined. So, all of these movies are going to be movies that are on the popular movie list on Letterboxd this okay. week. And they're also movies that I've seen. I've, I'm not, I've removed movies that we've already done on our show. All right. Okay. Round one. So, thank God, no Avatar. Yeah, no, it was on there, but yeah, I, I no Avatar. Okay. All right. First round. First five movies. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Men. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Remake 2003. The Evil Dead Remake 2013. And The Haunting of Hill House. I think this is Halloween 2018. Nope. Is it Halloween original, 1976? No. Okay. Uh, That's not sorry. Now you give me the year. All right. So the year is 2019. Okay. 2019. Is it... And it's popular on box right now. Are there any... I'm trying to think now if there's any big sequels out that, like... You know... Oh, oh, uh... <sighs> It Chapter 2? Nope. Now you give me a number movie. Next movie you get is a movie called May 2002. Okay, so 2019 horror. Is it the Pet Cemetery remake? It is not the Pet Cemetery remake. Next movie you get is Us. Alright, and this is the last guess. So this is when you do the recap for everyone. Last guess. So... The movie came out in 2019, and all of the movies that were similar are Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Men, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Remake, The Evil Dead Remake, Haunting of Hill House, May, and Us. Is this a TV show? Nope. It is a film. Okay. It's a film we've talked about, but we haven't actually done on the Letterboxd game. It's 2019... Horror film, presumably. It's not a chapter two. It's not us, obviously, because you said us. Is it Doctor Sleep? Nope. I'll give you one more hint. I did have to remove a film. 
I thought it would have got me to Dr. Sleep. Uh, okay, let me think that. <laughs> that, that, that would have got me to Dr. Sleep. Uh, uh, okay, so I'm trying to think now of directors, maybe. Because you didn't say a James Wan movie, but I don't think there was a James Wan movie in 2019. Um, i trying to think what other horror movie directors there are that are pretty big. Is it Ready or Not? It is not Ready or Not. I'm gonna let you have it. I was thinking with Scream. All right, but go on. It is Midsummer. Oh, that's why. That's a movie I repressed. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, okay, I just repressed Ari Aster's existence. Uh (laughs) I think that I have such a you know that I have a complicated relationship with all of his movies. Yeah, because of course, Hereditary and Midsummer have such strong images but all together they kind of leave me with a sour taste yeah i yeah i just can't you know i i it's kind of funny because that's been on my mind recently because I, I don't know if i dropped this take on the podcast but when i saw don't worry darling um i had this weird thought in the middle of it it's like you know most film bros like are watching this movie and go like this is just a bad midsummer but to me i just now remember she's a midsummer in the middle of this movie like, I completely, that movie does not exist in my headspace at all as a Florence, like, like I'm like, Florence Pugh, great actress, uh, 2019, oh yeah, she was in that movie, she was in Little Woman, obviously, and then she was in the, the, uh, WWE biopic, right? And then people are like, you know, but she was in Midsommar too, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess she was. <laughs> like, this is not a movie that exists in my headspace, even though I've seen it. Okay, so my thing about Midsummer is that right off the bat, the person this isn't even really a spoiler because it is how the movie opens like the first shot is someone with bipolar disorder kills their family and right off the bat i'm like all right my my, my thing with midsummer is i feel and and people are people probably listen to this are gonna be like danny you don't get the point of the movie it's about women and i'll be like okay whatever it's directed by ari aster who does not have a good track record of that but go on uh but to me, I feel like the movie is like building to this really interesting story where like William Jackson Harper is going to team up with Florence Pugh, but then as soon as like that thread starts coming in, of course William Jackson Harper is the first character to die because he's the only black character. So it's just like, well, he was the interesting like he and Florence Pugh's relationship was the interesting part to this movie to me, where they both kind of are aligning with not liking the main dude, and now he's gone, and now it's just Florence Pugh doing. Like, obviously great acting, but, like, she's all isolated from the upper actors now, so I'm not interested anymore. (laughs) Yeah. People will be like, but Danny, that's the point of the movie. William Jackson Harper wasn't a good guy either. I'm like, yeah, I know. Eventually he would have died. He didn't need the first one to die. (laughs) We could have had him. It's not eyebrow guy that dies first, is it? I'm pretty sure William Jackson Harper dies. I'm pretty sure William Jackson Harper. Yeah, but he doesn't die last, does he? No. I'm trying to think of who I wanted to keep around. I mean... I would have been mind Will Poulter sticking around too. He was funny at least. Like he was That's a right. dumb. He even has a memorable guy. name, and I called him Eyebrow Guy. I'm so sorry. He's the guy who. <laughs> I never mind. There's something about him that's related to this podcast that uh is funny. I just realized we didn't talk about the Pixar news, but we can do that after the games if we want to. Briefly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We don't. We don't. We're all alone. We can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. All right, give me the next let me, round. Let me give you the next movie. Yeah. All right. Your similar films are. The Housemaid, A Son, Squid Game. Do you mean The Handmaiden? No. 
No, housemaid? What's a housemaid? You can't just give me a housemaid and move. Sorry, I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, I've seen this movie. The Housemaid, 1960. A piano composer's family moves into a new house when, house when his pregnant wife collapses from working to support the family. He hires a housemaid to help with housework. Um, directed by Kim Ki-young, it is a really good Korean horror movie. All right. Okay, so that one, a son, go on. A son, then Squid Game. Us and The Purge. I'm going to go with Parasite. I know it's one of Letterboxd's most popular movies, period. It's Parasite. Parasite. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Congratulations. I, it's Let like the most out. popular movie on Letterboxd, period. So Let me check out I, The Sun. Hmm. A family of four I've fractures heard, under the I've weight of sun is, expectations. I've heard A Sun is good. Isn't that the recent one from like 2019 or 2020? It is, yes. Yeah, I've heard good things. I just haven't got around to it. Last movie. Your related films are Urban Legend, Behind the Mask, Valentine, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and Halloween. I think this is original Scream. It is original Scream. How'd you know that? Well, because, okay, I was thinking it was the Halloween remake. And then I was like, well, then you said Halloween, obviously. I say remake, you know, the 2018 one. And then I was like, okay, so what franchise did he say? And I was like, oh, well, I know what you did last summer is written by Kevin Williamson, which is Scream, and he didn't say any of the Scream movies. Yes. Um, so, and I, then I went with the original because it's being Halloween. So, like, people are probably starting their marathons now. You know, they're not necessarily on to the new one yet. Mm-hmm. And most people would probably ever just, they'll probably just do the original and maybe the new one. Or they'll do just the original. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. All Very right. Good. What were the what were the other two hints you were going to give me for both Parasite and Scream? I'm curious now because I usually Whoops. say that. One. All right. So for Scream, they were Prom Night and Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, those went on top of me. And then for Parasite, they were The Killing of a Sacred Deer and Get Out. All right. Are you ready for? My game of lists. Yes. All right. So first off, let me tell you why I specifically asked for it. And then I'll tell you that I'm not doing that. So initially my plan was, is that this is the time of year where I go to the Chicago International Film Festival. So I was going to ask you questions on my personal roster of films I was going to see. However, I made my personal roster of films I'm going to see. And I don't think anyone at home will be able to play along with it. Because the most, the biggest film on it is Broker, which is the new film by uh, the director of Shoplifters. (laughs) So I'm like, no one at home's gonna be able to play along with this. So I'm not gonna give him this, this, because it's gonna be too obscure. Honestly, I, since Shoplifters, I have not been super aware of his work either. Yeah, so that's my point. Is like, I don't think anyone will be able to play along, and I don't think it will be that fun because I'm not seeing big movies. Now, one movie that I intended to see at the festivals, Chicago International Film Festival, is the centerpiece film, which is Glass Onion: A Knives Out Mystery. Uh. And what, why is Mark laughing? Mark is giggling at the title. Glass it would be onion. so funny if you asked me a game of lists about Knives Out. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of related, is that uh, Glass Onion is screening at the music box here. And at the time between me asking for the slot to see the game of lists and today is that Netflix has finally announced their plans for a theatrical release for Knives, a Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, which is that it will be released in 600 theaters nationwide for one week only at thanksgiving 
Now, I made a list on Letterboxd uh, two weeks ago. It's how I was decided to do this. Titled Netflix and Chill at the Theater. These are the films that are Netflix original films that I have seen in a movie theater. Glass Onion will probably be the 20th film to make this list. I will, I have three questions for you about the other 19 Netflix films I've seen in theaters. That is what I'm quizzing you on. The Netflix original movies that I've gone to see at a movie theater. So the first question, in my opinion, these are ordered from the easiest to the, uh, well, you, you'll see. These are the, the first question is the only three part question. Okay. Okay. I've seen 19 Netflix films in theaters. Three of them I have seen twice in theaters. What are the three Netflix movies I've seen twice in theaters? Good question. I think one of them might be Knives Out. Knives Out is not a Netflix movie. The first Knives Out does not like it does not retroactively become a Netflix movie. So I will tell you oh, right now, Knives yeah, Out is not right. on this list. Knives Out you're is right. not. I was that's a Lionsgate film because I thought it was out there. So does wow. not. Wow, I'm surprised. So 19 movies have been made by Netflix, which got a theatrical release. So here's the thing. I guarantee you more than 19 films have. Because that's how you qualify for Oscars. But I will also point out that some of these I saw in a theater at a festival before they were picked up by Netflix. I will say right now that I don't think any of my answers are those films. But if you're thinking, wow, 19's a lot, lot," just, yeah, don't. I don't think any of my questions are like ones where it's like, oh, gotcha, I saw this at a festival, you know? So... Yeah, but that is how the number got so high. Is that some of these I don't believe? I think I'm looking at it now. I think three of these never got an actual like release, but I saw them at a festival before they were picked up by Netflix. Uh, it's just gonna be. I'm in. I'm. You know, you go in like. This phases. is the easiest question, so that's why I'm like. To me, it's right. like think about Netflix movies that definitely got theatrical releases. All right, The Irishman. I'm so having an HBO Max series of weeks. I haven't even cracked Netflix open in a little bit. I'm going to say Trial of the Chicago 7. Because I don't think you saw it twice, but like maybe you did for the Snub Club. We we are not there yet on the Snub Club. But if you would like to... Yeah, I just mean like, well, I saw it in theaters back way back when. Mm. Back when we all, you know, before you had your three children, Caleb. Okay. And I'm just imagining what 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 a conversation in the future on the Snub Club would be like. And you're all you're all older, so I'm trying to indicate that somehow. Ooh, they why am I thinking of Amazon releases? There is an Amazon release I've seen twice in theaters. I'll just say that right now. That's uh, Sound of Metal. I saw Sound of Metal twice in theaters. Mm. Once at a festival. <laughs> before it was an Amazon movie, but yes. <laughs> Did you see the Bong Joon-ho movie that I forget the name of? Oakja? Twice in theaters? Okja? Yeah. Is that, so that your final guess? Yeah, Irishman, Tri- Chicago 7, and Okja. So Mark is not starting well. All three of these are wrong. Wow. You did not you get didn't a see Irishman one. twice in theaters. I only saw it once in theaters. I only saw Chicago 7 once in theaters. And Okja came out when we were still in school. So I could not right. even see that in theaters if I wanted to. All right, so interestingly enough, these three films are all 
well, okay. They're the 2018, 2019, and 2021. There's one for each year. I saw Roma twice in theaters. That's the only one I saw at a repertory screening, though, again. I saw it in the original run in 70mm, and then I saw it at a 70mm fest a couple years later. Then I saw Marriage Story at a festival, and then at 35mm at the Music Box. And then I saw The Power of the Dog twice at the Music Box. So it's Roma, Marriage uh, Story, yeah. and The Power of the Dog. I should have gotten Power of the Dog. The other two, I think, are kind of half in my brain between either being Netflix or Amazon releases. Mm. All right. Your next question is, what is the first Netflix film I saw in theaters? I think that was The Irishman because we wanted to support it. Is that your final answer? Yeah, sure. I have a reason. All right. Well, The Irishman is my seventh Netflix film I've seen in theaters. I will point out that Roma and Marriage Story both came out before The Irishman. What? Yeah. Roma's a full year before The Irishman. Wow, Roma's 2018, everyone made such a stink. I, remember, I thought I was going to catch you and use Roma. There is a film I saw before Roma, and that is The Other Side of the Wind, which I saw in 35mm. Oh, okay. Uh, Alright, so let's see if you can get the last one. This is, a, this is a tough one, I feel like. This is the only Netflix film where I saw it first on Netflix and then went to see it in theaters afterwards. What is the only Netflix movie I watched at home first and then went to the movies for it? I think that's Okja. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Incorrect again. Alright, so this one is The you Five You just said Bloods. you didn't see it in theaters. Have you never seen Okja in theaters? I've never seen Okja in theaters. It's never been an All opportunity right. for me. It's The Five Bloods because it came out during the pandemic. And I watched oh, it at home during yeah. the pandemic. And then they brought it back to theaters for... um. Black History Month in February, and I was like, alright, I'll drive 40 minutes to see that in the theater. Because I thought The Five Bloods was fantastic. Of course. You're curious. Do you want to know every Netflix movie I've seen in theaters? Are you curious? Um, I mean, it's basically all of them, right? Like, every big one, you can imagine you did it. I'm more curious about which ones you haven't seen in theaters. Like, Okja is a weird one. I mean, I can just go to my Netflix... Okay, I have a Netflix ranked list, too. I can just look at what, like, would be high up on that list that I didn't see in a theater, if you're curious, very quickly. Yeah. I mean, you could you could list 19 films. Only 19, but my mind is older. If you're curious about the big ones I did not see in the theater that I liked a lot, uh, I miss Dick Johnson is Dead and the Meyerowitz stories and Klaus. Uh, and Dolomite, I think, is the... Dolomite and High Flying Bird are the other two big ones I did not see in a theater, I feel like. Oh, I didn't see Buster Scruggs either. In the theater. That's when I actually had an opportunity to see because that's pre-pandemic. Um, the ones I have seen in theater, besides the ones I've said, are Bombay Rose, The Lost Okoroshi, and I Lost My Body. Those are all festival films that are smaller that I said would not be tested on. Um, beyond that, the ones I've seen that are mainstream and did not were not mentioned in answer were Mank, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Army of the Dead, Tick Tick Boom, The Lost Daughter. Uh, this one's not mainstream. I saw it at festival procession, uh, and then the Mitchells versus the Machines. Don't look up and passing are the other ones I've seen that are kind of mainstream that I saw in a theater. I presume Man, Glass you, Onion will be the twentieth. You telling me that these movies were Netflix movies is something that I knew, but hearing it now is like hearing it for the first time. I'm like, wow! I was really? honestly surprised you never guessed Tick Tick Boom. I, I presume you just forgot it was a Netflix movie. 
Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I forgot all of these were Netflix movies. I just, I don't know why. Like they've got, I've seen mm. according to my Netflix ranked list, I've seen 86 Netflix movies total. The worst one is The Wrong Missy, which is a Rob Schneider movie. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's like. I don't go to the theater that much, so I'm watching all of these things on streaming services. So whenever that the first round of production studio credits shows up on the film, I just kind of go into fog brain or whatever whenever I see that. So I'm like watching Warner Brothers movies with Netflix movies and it all just blends together. But so right. people made such a stink about The Irishman when it came out. That's why I knew that one was a Netflix movie. Well, Irishman, I very um, specifically only saw once in the theater. Because I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, that was really good. But I was so tired by the end of it. I do think it's kind of designed for you to take a pause break for it. As mm-hmm. much as some people might get mad at me for saying that. Thelma, Thelma Shoemaker can make a movie seem fast. But when it's three and a half hours long, I need an intermission. Sorry. Sorry, Thelma. Selma? Thelma Shoemaker. Thelma. Ah. Yeah. Now, should we say the Reef Pixar news that came out this week? Yeah, sure. Uh, I saw Enrico Casarova, director of Luca, tweeted that he's working on a new original film. And Domi Shi gave an interview where she said she's also already working on another original film. So, yay, Luca and Turning Red fans. We don't have to sit for a sequel, hopefully. At least not yay. one made by the original uh, people. And moreover... This is the bigger thing, is they're not leaving the studio, because Pixar's been bleeding a lot of talent recently, so it's nice to hear they'll be sticking around trying to make something more, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I'm yeah. good. But we don't we don't know what those are, they're just, they're so they're early just, in production. They're in the ever, yes. Mm-hmm. Alright, Mike's new car! Mike's new car, they're in a car, it is new, Mike's, oh, but you have Mike some real it. things to say about it. Do I? Do I? I don't know. It's um. It is a big deal. It is the first DVD bonus short they put out. It is the first short film with dialogue they have put out. I don't know. Like it's it's hmm. pretty self-explanatory. I don't know. We're gonna try to talk about it. I don't know really what there's to talk about with it. I was gonna talk about aspect ratios again. That's all I got. Talk about is aspect it, ratios. Yeah. What's up there? Uh, it's kind of cool that, like, this is, like, it's very clearly designed to be, like, you know, a Looney Tunes kind of riff where it's, like, oh, it's slapstick humor and it's shot in the, well, it's shot. It is made in the Academy ratio because it was made for a DVD that was presumably designed for full screen, uh, you know, because kids are watching and they want it to take up the full screen. I actually think the framing of it is really interesting. Like, the car constantly takes up the whole frame to show how big it is. I don't know. Like, it's cute. It's nice. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, I I think it's got a couple good gags in it. I like the moment where Mike, you know, is on the phone, calls Sully while he's on the phone, and they have cell phones. And it's two thousand two, and there it is. He calls someone on the phone. Oh, that's like, right. Sully, yeah, because well, they have the it in thing. the car. I think that's the joke about it is that it's like one of those bag phones from Friends. It was nominated for the Oscar somehow. In the short category. Yeah. It also is one of those hyper-detailed Wikipedia pages that I get confused about. I do think that there's something there. I think that it's interesting that we're kind of watching a hair test that they would have done for Sully's character when he's Mm -hmm. in the car, 
we watch his body move around in the frame and we get to watch Mike do his thing. And I think it's interesting too that this is included only on the DVD release. It's clearly made for children. I think it's I think it's made for children unless I mean, yeah, the parent really wants to watch for the phone joke or whatever. And I guess I guess there are a few more like adult bits in the in the show, but I, I think that it's it's interesting that it's made for children, assuming that children are working DVD players, which we know they are because we did that. So it's just nice that they had that foresight to make something for kids to play around in and find. I don't know. I, I wish I had more to talk about here. I mean, we could talk about John Goodman. We could talk about Billy Crystal. But we already did that for a lot of time, you know? Uh, we could talk about... What you got going on the next week? Well, no, no we, we, should, about... we should try. We should try. Uh, we should talk about... We could talk about the commentary... Talk about how my brother did has you to listen to the car. commentary? No, but we should have because I found on Wikipedia that apparently the commentary is uh, like the joke is that it says it's by Doctor and Gold because Roger Gold directed this along with Pete Doctor, but like it's just the kids talking during the short, <laughs> so oh. it's like five year olds are talking up that like ha 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 that's Mike it's funny, <laughs> you know like that that monster. Where'd you find the commentary? I don't know if it's on Disney Plus. It would be on the. I have the DVD, but I didn't pull it. I was just looking at the Wikipedia page. Uh, let's see if it's on Disney Plus. I'm opening up yeah. Disney Plus right now. I like the part at the beginning where they uh, reuse. Oh, yep, there you are, watching Thor: Love and Thunder still. Uh, I'm opening up Disney Plus, and for some reason, I put me on your file first. <laughs> Should we watch this real quick? I feel like this is more interesting than the short. I don't know. Let me open up Mike's new car anyway to see if we can act. No, I didn't want to click the actual movie. I want to click the... Uh... I'm just pulling up YouTube right here. I mean, I, I think... I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, you know, this could be just something we do. Like, when we can't find anything to talk about the movie. Because, like, you know, like with, we did with Wally B's, you know, we just... Oh, I'm, I found it. I found, I found like... I found a serial killer-esque screen recording. Oh, I found it too. <laughs> you want to watch that real quick and then we'll talk about it? Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. That was so great. we're back. We're back. We're back. Yeah, that was that was good. My favorite moment of it, Medley, is as Mark pointed out that this looks like a uh, <laughs> this looks like a serial killer shot it, and then about halfway through, the guy taps the TV and fixes it. <laughs> is that what you <laughs> laughed at? Yes. <laughs> like, what what on earth are we watching? <laughs> Because I just assumed it was an issue of, like, what he was using the recorder with. But no, it, it was an actual problem with the TV. <laughs> and it looked like uh, an old tube screen. Yeah, but then he just tapped it and it was fine. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'll take it. Um. Yeah, so that was their... We we just watched the two kids record that commentary track. And I love that. Than the actual, yeah, it was better yeah. than the movie. Uh, Disney it's Plus, really we'll fun listening on, to them. It it's really fun listening to them talk about how computer animation works. Oh, I like the part they say where something like, like they put they put the computer into your brain and then the, they take the computer out and then the movie gets made. <laughs> I like the part where the guy's like, "My favorite part is when Sully welcomes them to the dinosaur world." And the person's like, "I don't know what that was." It's like, "Oh well, yeah, it's a main pop part." <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that was nice. That was uh, better than the actual short you can find on 
Disney Plus. And in a way, I was like, you know, like earlier, I was like, let's just do our own commentary to like fill up time. But now I've seen this, I'm like, oh, well, we can't top that. Like, that was it. Like, woo, they no basically know as much as we do about how these <laughs> things are made. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, their parents come home and talk about the movie, I'm sure. It was funny, too. I, they didn't really do this that often, but there was the one moment when whichever kid it was said Mike's line at the same time that he did. Yeah, it was like, open up, open up the car. Oh, he's, no, he said, it's adjustable, and he said it, uh, like, in time with Mike. And, it, and, you know, also rewatching it, even though it's a conversation, you remember, like, the two moments that really stuck out to me as a child, which was, like, uh, when Mike gets it slammed on his finger and, like, he screeches. Then also I remembered the uh, part where if the 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 where Sully breaks it, you know, not exactly on the child. That's the part with the uh, the uh, the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the thing, yeah. Yeah. They also didn't comment on the thing that I thought was a very subtle joke when the guy walking down the street sees them and then turns around. I was waiting to see if they would comment on that, but they didn't. And These children. These children who are probably older than us because this was recorded in presumably 2002. Uh, they're probably our age. Um, well, you'd think they, you'd think they'd know it now, but yeah. Another so we'll thing, that, we gotta get them on the podcast. We gotta find a way to contact both of them. And be like, we want you to be our first guest, so we can talk to you about the commentary track he recorded as a child and how we can only access it through a serial killer on YouTube. That shows too, I think. There, there is a benefit to having these things for kids on DVD because you can watch them over and over again. So maybe if you miss a joke the first time, you can make it very rich on screen and then they can just rewatch the movie and pick up different things. Well, yeah, I mean, also specifically with DVD rather than a streaming service is that like, you know, when it was on DVD, you know, I'd be bored. I'd just click the commentary track. Now that it's on streaming, it's like, I'm not going to click the extras thing. Like, even, like, as an adult, I presume as a child, I'm not going to bother either because the play button's right there. It's not as, like, on, it's not as inviting as, like, oh, there's a door here that says it's for monsters only. I'm going to go there, so I'm going to break the rules. Ooh, what are all these bonus features here? You know, like, it's different now. Did you ever do the thing where you would click the input button really rapidly to switch between the audio options as fast as you could? Not as a child, but sometimes today I do subtitles. <laughs> this reminds me of something sort of, I don't know, embarrassing from my youth. It's, it's a young person's story that is related to watching things and having DVD extras. We had a lot of things like this because we had the Star Wars prequels when they came out. So that was my big memory of doing this sort of thing was spending more time on the dvd extras for the star wars prequels than on the actual movies sometimes because they had those fantastic featurettes which i guess i didn't really understand was kind of because of the lord of the rings maybe it does seem like let me see when lord of the rings when was the first lord of the rings dvd release Lord of the Rings DVD release date was August 6, 2002, and Monsters, Inc. DVD release date was September 17th, 2002, so... No, I did, because I, I mentioned that in the last episode, like, these used to have such long windows. 
Well, theatrical, this is what I was mentioning kind of last time, was like the theatrical window is so much longer that, you know, this movie came out in November of 2001, and then it doesn't come out on DVD until September 2002, um, which is crazy. Actually, I meant to look that up last time. I forgot. Maybe now would be a good time to look it up. Is how much Monsters Inc. actually made, like, the, like in the original run? Because I'm curious, because I feel like, you know, what's it? Uh, Bugs Life, that's what I'm trying to think of. Bugs Life made a lot of money, but it did not make... A shitload of money. You know what I mean? All right, yeah, yeah. This made a $255 million in its initial run. Which I feel like is pretty good. I guess I would have to look at, like, what the count, like, what the, uh, not the calendar, but you know what I mean? How much money, uh, what the biggest movie of the year was in 2001. I know Shrek probably made more. Because it's Shrek. Oh, I do. You know what the number finish. one movie of, do you know what the number one movie of 2001 was, Mark? Was it just Lord of the Rings? All right. Let's play a. Let's play uh, the box office game. Just kidding. We're not going to rip that off. Monsters, Inc. was number four at the domestic box office. Can you name the three films that you think would be higher than it? That's it. Matrix Lord of the Rings can be one of your guesses. Lord of the Rings can be one of your guesses. Lord of the Rings, Matrix 2. Matrix 2 is not a 2001 movie. Uh, Titanic? No, that's, that's a 99. Um, These are all big franchises. That's a hint. Monsters, Inc. These are all big franchises. Uh, the only movie in the top ten not to be a part of a franchise at some point is number seven, which is Pearl Harbor. The rest are all part of a franchise, including Monsters, Inc. Well, Star Wars didn't have a release that year. Spider-Man 1? These are two franchises that I would say defined the 2000s. Um, and all these are the first entry in the franchise. So Lord of the Rings was Fellowship. It wasn't Two Towers. Um, can you think of the other two franchises that started in 2001? That defined the 2000s? I like, would definitely say these define the 2000s, like the aughts. I don't know, Snow Buddies? Come on, dude, I'm going to say them, you're going to be That mad. defined the 2000s. Do you, you, you want me to tell you them and be mad? Yeah. Shrek, obviously, okay. better. And Harry Potter. The first Harry Potter uh, was 2001. Okay. Yeah. So, and then Lord of the Rings is smack in the middle of them. Harry Potter was the biggest of the year. Gotcha. Yeah. But, well. Yeah, and then Monsters, Inc. is... Can you guess the movie behind Monsters Inc.? No, you can't. It's Rush Hour 2. It's <laughs> Rush Hour Great. 2 is the fifth biggest film of the year. Well, to finish my sort of cringe tale is I was really big into the DVD releases and things. And in high school, my senior year, um, I had a really, really good history teacher. We learned a lot from him about... It was kind of one of those college prep classes, so we learned study skills that other people, I think, didn't actually learn in college, and about, like, speed reading and just stuff like that. But anyway, we had to write a history paper for our final, and I wanted to write about the history of visual effects, specifically uh, computer-generated, like, computer-assisted visual effects. And I forget how I narrowed that down. I probably, like, didn't very well because it's such a broad topic. And every everything about that paper was completely nonsense. But what I got to do for it was watch the bonus features for the Star Wars prequels and the Matrix movies just over and over again. So I remember one of the things about writing that paper was... Um, like the days before it was due, just sitting in front of the television with my laptop, 
making sure that going through the draft and like making sure that I got names right and dates and things like that by going back and forth between these DVD extras. And it's crazy how beneficial that was being exposed to the scope of movie making because I was focusing a lot on the Matrix sequels, which had an enormous budget and were much crazier than the first one. So in a way, it was really great because you got to see how how crazy things were and, and, and could be. Like the far end of high-budget movie making, you saw how things were done. But that didn't really expose me to small-scale movie making and just the basics of doing indie filmmaking, like getting sound right or anything like that on the far end that you might learn if you made the similar production-heavy focused DVD feature content that you might get from like even something like Evil Dead or I can imagine I imagine now thinking it would be really great to see something like a Jim Jarmusch making of movie because those movies are so low budget but of course that's the kind of thing that you have access to if you get some good actors in a room you can make something like that but you have to know how criterion of Jim Jarmusch that has that I don't know because the thing is recently I know what you're talking about and I don't really want to go fully head I, I like like I've been recently getting back into bonus features uh particularly what I did a few months back is when I watched Inside Lewin Davis for my Marvel podcast don't ask there's a whole story there uh I opened up my criterion and I noticed there was both you know the I've talked about it before there's a concert film of the Inside Lewin Davis soundtrack oh yeah there's also and like a 45 minute like making of where i actually really liked it because the thing was is everyone like went like went into depth on the cinematography and went in depth on the costume design and went in depth on producing the music the only thing i did not go in depth on which was the coincidence themselves which i like because i don't really want to know like what inside lewin davis is about according to the coens uh i have very little interest in that so for them this to be like, oh yeah, we wanted to make this movie about this folk singer. And like, they just leave it at that and the rest of the documentary is about everything else. I'm like, great. Like, I don't need to know your reasoning behind the movie beyond that. <laughs> but like, my point is, is like, there was like a nice 45 minute, like, this is how we made Inside Lewin Davis. So I feel like the Criterions might have like a good Jim Jarmusch making of possibly on mm-hmm. one of them, hopefully. I, yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with early things there's just not a lot of documentation now there mm-hmm. is i think if you made a making a movie for some indie filmmaker we haven't even heard about yet there would be a ton of documentation because people have learned that bts is part of the indie filmmaking process for yeah, like record it, keeping uh, and independent what he said we just like decided to do the dynamite oh <laughs> You're like, you did not have to, Danny. <laughs> you absolutely did not have to. We all make mistakes. Well, like we, we well got that was Mike's new car, it. everyone. We got we got something out of it. It might have been a little ambly, and Mark really got it more than I did. The last thing I have to say about Mike's new car is on the Wikipedia page, which I said was hyper-detailed, I just noticed that it says, unfortunately for Mike, anything that can go wrong does go wrong, and it's hyperlinked to Murphy's Law. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is Mike's new car. Mark, what are we doing next time? 
What? I have no <laughs> idea. Why it's are we? Why, why, why did, did we explain why we switched things around this episode? I did because I said I was going to do my festival lineup, and then I discovered my festival lineup was not that good. Oh, it was just because you had the festival lineup coming up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I tell you what, we're going to have up next, and finding uh, emo. Yes. Wait, no, we're not having any emo next. Well, on our thing, we have that special that we talked about, which yeah, we need to schedule. Yeah. So <laughs> there might be a this. there might be a special special coming up. Um, there also, might if be not, Nemo. never mind. <laughs> I mean, I we'll, it's. I don't, if if you want to know behind the scenes what we got going on, we have like very packed end of October things. So we were thinking about maybe doing something that we can crank out. But like the thing is, if we crank out something, we're still doing something. I don't think we should have a week with no content. Um, we'll think of something. I we might yeah. have something very cool if we can get the scheduling right. But if if we don't have something very cool, we're going to do Finding Nemo with Carson Hume. And yeah, that'll be our next finding, thing coming finding up. Finding Nemo, finding finding Humo, yeah. finding finding an episode. Do we want to give Definitely this something, a, Danny? It's a, it's, we'll give it a worth looking up the commentary track on YouTube. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> I that's what I want to give. I want to. I don't. I don't. I want to title this episode. We to watch the commentary track. Uh, I want to give it. I want to give it a, a twenty dollar Applebee's gift card, so it can go on a date with the Beto O'Rourke Zoom call. Okay, I'll give it. Do you know what I'm talking shorter about? Shorter than bros. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But maybe <laughs> it's best. To, I feel like in this case, it's best to leave it ambiguous. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Looking for the ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. Our original artwork was done by Sarah Kanoff, and each episode is edited by me. If you'd like to be notified about new episodes, you can find us on Facebook at Looking for the Ocean of Pixar Journey, on Twitter at Pixar Journey, on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and on our website, lookingforTheOceanPixar.podbean.com. If you want to know what I'm up to or find me on social media, you can head over to MarkYoungPerformer.com. If you'd like to see all my takes on all the movies, you can find me on Letterboxd at Blankman's. If you'd like to hear me on another podcast, I also have The Snub Club, a podcast about film history. We'll see you next time. See you next time.